Good morning, Village. Let's find our seats. Come back together as we talk about 2020. So it's Vision Sunday this morning, and if you're if you're new with us, we take one Sunday a year, and we just review our vision and where we're where we've been, where we're going as a church. Keeps us on course, you know. In, in any organization and anything we do, if we if we don't remind ourselves of the course we're on every now and then, it's easy to drift and go different directions and end up places where we aren't expected, or to think through, okay, are we all on the same page with where God wants Village to go this year? And so that's what we're, we're going to be talking about this morning. And just to get rid of the obvious joke of the day, yes, it is 2020, and we are talking about vision. And so we're going to have clear vision. Okay, so that one's done. That's a dad joke, and we can, um, we can move on with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> What are some things God taught you in 2019? Interact with me a little bit. What are some things God taught you in 2019? In a few sentences. Patience, okay? Amen. Patience. Who prayed for patience? It's what? Waiting, yeah, which comes back to patience. There's a theme here. Elaine. He has everything under control and planned. Amen. We saw that with Esther as we studied Esther, but, but just something God's been teaching us. Anyone else? What has God taught you in 2019? Faithfulness, okay. Amen. A lot of our songs this morning mention God's faithfulness, that he is true to that. Anyone else? The importance of community. Amen. We have some community here. This is good. Anyone else? Forgiveness. Ah, huge year this last year, right? God has been teaching us, and hopefully individually things, hopefully as a church teaching us. And today we want to talk about where do we want to go? How do we remember what God is doing in our lives and have that affect us? And so our theme for this next year is remember and celebrate. Remember and celebrate. Remember what God has done. Look for it. Identify it. Recognize it. And then celebrate Him for what He is doing. And celebrate and bring glory to God for His work. And so we're going to be talking through that here in a minute. I'll spend most of our time this morning on that as we just talk about how that can look in the next year and some of the biblical basis for celebration. But starting just reminding ourselves of our goal as a church. And in your notes you see some of these things. Our goal as a church is to make disciples, right? We're building a church family, Christ-focused families that disciple their communities for Him. And so we want to be a church family of families, and we want to be building strong families, but our end goal of that statement is to build disciples, to build disciples in the community around us, to build into each other's lives. And so as we come to a Vision Sunday, we want to always talk about that first, that we are a church, that we want discipleship to be part of our DNA. We just finished up a discipleship um, education hour class and the groups have just been a wonderful opportunity to dig into each other's lives, to invest in each other's lives, to remind ourselves of community, that we are not walking this Christian journey alone, but we have brothers and sisters in Christ holding each other up and supporting each other. And so we want to make disciples. And so part of that each year we look at, okay, What's a different aspect of discipleship we can focus on and how can that infiltrate everything we do? And this year that aspect will be celebration, which we may not think of as a discipline. We may not think of 
as something that's real important. Oh, that's just one of the extras. But I hope after today we'll see that this is commanded by God. This is initiated by God. This is His idea to celebrate because God wants us to enjoy walking with Him, enjoy Him, and enjoy each other. Just a reminder of our core values before we go on. And, and this is sort of how we disciple. Every disciple should embody these core values. And so if every one of us embodies these four, then the church itself will always embody all four of these. And one of the things that we use these for is to gauge what are we doing as a church in each ministry? Are, do we have a mix of all of these? Are we, are we hitting all of the aspects of discipleship? And so our core values are outreach, community, spiritual growth, and ministry. Outreach, we should always be looking for who needs to hear about Jesus. Who needs to hear the good news of the gospel, both around us and in the world? Community, how are we building community? How are we loving each other? How are we supporting each other? Not just to have fun together, not just to have good friends, but to actually be involved in each other's lives, to build godly lives in each other, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Spiritual growth should be the core of a church, that we're studying God's Word, we're growing in Him, we're learning about Him, we're worshiping Him. And then finally, ministry. Every disciple is in ministry. Every disciple is doing something for the kingdom of God. As, as we see in Ephesians where it says the whole body, as it does its part, as each one does its part, the whole body grows. If you had to, some of you are more action-oriented, verb-oriented. If you think of those same four core values as verbs, we're to share, love, grow, and serve. I know those are four blanks, so I'll repeat them so you can get them all in. We're to share, love, grow, and serve. We share God's love with each other. And so always on our mind is, who do I want to know Christ? Who am I praying for that needs Christ? What neighbor, what coworker, what family member? Who am I intentionally seeking to share Jesus with? Because he is the best news that they will ever hear and the most important news they will ever hear. Love, how are we showing love in our community Grow. Am I seeking to grow with Christ? Serve. Where am I serving? How can I be part of what God is doing at Village? And so that's just a reminder of of our purpose and our goal and some of the ways we reach that with our core values. But this morning, as as we dive into, okay, what what overall spiritual discipline do we want to focus on as a church? Or where do we think that God is leading as a church? One of the things we do is as elders and as pastors, we pray about it and we talk about it. What is God doing at Village? And we ask that question, what is God doing at Village? And and how can we shepherd, how can we equip us to go where God wants us to go? And as we studied through Esther and as we as we saw that that God's hand of providence, God's hand clearly directing and protecting his people, what do they do at the end of Esther? They celebrated, right? Purim, and we, we had a whole couple chapters on Purim and this feast and the celebration. And it really got us as leaders to, to be thinking through, okay, how often does this happen in Scripture? How often did a celebration follow what God had done? And it is over. When you start looking for it, it's over and over and over again. Because God knows we are a forgetful people. Anyone else in here forgetful? Yeah, yeah. And and if I can remember, I think it happens more as you get older. Um, 
I can't count the times I walk to the front desk at the office and I'm like, I have no idea why I came here. And I, I walk back to my office and retrace the steps and sometimes it hits me and sometimes not. Um, we're forgetful people and we laugh about that, but we forget. It is so easy to forget what God has done in our lives. It is so easy to forget what God has done around us that God has been throughout all of history intricately involved in his plan and in our lives. And we saw that in Esther, got a taste of that in Esther. But God knows we're forgetful people. And so he wants us to remember. He wants us to remember what he's done. Do you remember when we studied Joshua and, and God opened up the Jordan River and let the group across? What did he have them do? celebrate, but out of the middle of the river, take 12 stones, and then they set them up to celebrate what God has done on the other side, and they set them up in a way that future generations would be able to remember and celebrate the work of God. And so this year, as we think through what God is doing at Village, I want to have some fun with this, some joy in this, and celebrate what God has done celebrate what God is doing and make that just part of the rhythm of our church. Part of the rhythm of what we do is to bring God glory for everything he's done. And that means recognizing when he works. That means remembering it and putting some effort into it as we're going to see. So I want to start by just doing a brief overview. And and today is, is always interesting for me because I have to stay sort of up here and give an overview and not get down to the weeds too much. So we're just going to try to move fast and give some big picture ideas. But we're going to look at celebration in the Bible. And point number one in your notes is celebration was commanded and instituted by God. Celebration was commanded and instituted by God. I just want to give a few examples of that throughout Scripture, but there's more in there that you can study. Turn with me to Exodus 12. Exodus 12, and in Exodus 12, it's the story of the Passover. And, and, the, and Israel is in Egypt, and they're under the rule of Pharaoh, and God is removing them from the bondage of Egypt. And he's gone through the nine of the ten plagues, and they're about to go to the tenth plague where the firstborn is killed. And at that point, God says to the Israelites, if you put, kill a, a lamb without blemish and put the blood on the doorposts, and, and the angel will pass over your house. Thus we have Passover. And so Passover was, a, an, was the moment of deliverance from the slavery of Egypt. And it represented ultimately the Passover lamb of Jesus Christ and deliverance from sin. And so this was huge what God was doing for Israel. And, he, and God takes the time to say, actually, this is going to be a celebration every year for you. This is going to be something that you remember every year. And you can read all of Exodus 12 on your own. But look at verse 14. Exodus 12, 14. And this is the starting point for looking at, at celebration in the Bible. It's the verse that I have for your memory verse this week. Exodus 12, 14. This shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generation as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. That phrase is repeated twice. And in the middle of what God is doing, God takes the time to say, remember and celebrate. In, in those, that verse, it starts with this day shall be for you a memorial day. And that word for memorial literally is what we would think of it as a day to remember. When we celebrate Memorial Day in May, we are remembering the lives of those that sacrificed for the freedom of this country. 
In this case, this is to be a memorial day. Every time they celebrate Passover, it's to remember what God did. Remember God's greatness. And as we think about celebration, this begins to unravel why we should, not just why we should celebrate, but who we should celebrate. And as we talk, there, there, when we talk celebration, we could have all kinds of reasons to celebrate, right? We could have all kinds of things that I just got what I want to celebrate. You know, I, I, some of, half of you might be celebrating after the game next week. Half of you might not be celebrating. Half of you might think God's blessing is on you. And half of you might think God has cursed you because of the game. It's a football game. And that is not the celebration we're talking about. Now, have fun, celebrate that. But what we're talking about is a discipline of celebrating what God has done. Where the source of the activity is from God and the destination of our celebration is God. As I was talking to the elders this morning, we can be going through a parking lot and and we can we can drive down, and I don't know about you, but I'll drive 10 minutes to find that closest spot, unfortunately. And I'm trying to work on that. <laughs> Get more steps if you park out there. I keep telling myself that. But that that spot in the front opens up. And the car backs out. And you go in, and you're like, oh, man, praise God. He has blessed me today. Or you drove in right when the car pulled out. We we think of it, and sometimes we take just normal things, and and I'm not saying some of those might not be God's blessing, but that might be just common grace for everyone. Not everyone that parks in the first row are believers. God, we, we joked about it, God hasn't reserved those spots for Christians I want to bless, and for those that I don't, they have to park way out there. Uh, and and so it is so easy when we talk about celebration and making a memorial day and keeping a feast and, and all the things we're talking about today, it would be so easy to apply that to me when I get what I want. But the point of this is to notice what God does and then to give Him praise for what He's done. So it is all God-directed, not me-directed. Now, I'm not saying that we go, yeah, when we get that first parking spot, we get to walk 10 steps less. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. But do we notice when God works and opens a door for us to share the gospel with our neighbor? Do we notice when God has given us the strength to get through a very difficult time? Do we notice when God has, has just blessed us with his word, when, when he is working as a church to see kids come to Christ through Awana? Do we notice those things? And so the test for is this a celebration like we're talking about in the Bible Is this from God? Is it clearly God's work? And is praise going back to God? That's the idea that we're doing for celebration. So in Exodus 12, 14, God says, This shall be for you a memorial day, a day to remember. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. And then later you shall keep it as a feast. And and the word for feast is actually pretty cool here. And it's used sometimes if you have NIV, it's often translated celebration. Um, ESV and King James often translates this feast or festival. And the idea is a feast or a festival, a, a, a dance. They would dance and they would celebrate. It was a time just that was over the top. This is amazing what God has done. I thought about I could illustrate some dancing for you now. No, my kids are in here. That would, they would never speak to me again. 
But we see that what God is saying is remember me, but then keep a feast, this happy, joyous time of exuberance. And we'll talk about that in a minute. The, the, the Hebrew word for this, you get to learn a little bit of Hebrew this morning, just because I think the word is so fun with this. Hagagagag. Can you say that? Hagagagag. Yeah, it's sort of fun, right? That's this word for festival or feast, and it's used over 80 times in the Old Testament for what God wants his people to do. How many of you are, are like big celebrating people? If there's a party, you're there. <laughs> yeah, some? Okay, come on, there's more than that here. I, I see the party invites, and I know how excited you get. You know, maybe the test of this is, what do you do for birthdays? Some of you, every birthday is like the most amazing thing ever. I mean, we're talking 20 bounce houses in the gym, and, um, and, and it's only, they're only a week old. And, um, you know, we celebrate, right? And so some of you, this theme this year is going to be awesome, and you're going to be like, this is the best focus ever that we're talking about celebrating what God has done. Some of us aren't big on celebrations. You know, for, for our family, a birthday is a, is a day. And, and we'll do a special meal or something, and maybe we don't celebrate enough, but um, there's other things we celebrate. And it, it's just not the DNA of who we are as a family, and, and different families are different. But if you're like on that side, then maybe celebration seems a little bit out there for you. Maybe it's like, well, I don't know. You know, we need to get to, to the, the real difficulty of walking with God. Well, walking with God takes work. Absolutely. It takes discipline. But God in His grace has given us joy in that and given us cause to celebrate. And so the word here means to keep a festival, keep a feast, to celebrate, to throw a party. Might be a, a way to say that in common day. And so Exodus twelve fourteen, as God is doing this miraculous work, this shall be a memorial day for you. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Turn over to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23. In this chapter, and this may be one of those chapters that you read through pretty quickly in your Bible reading plan, um, because you're, you're in Leviticus, you got through Genesis and Exodus, you're like, yeah, and then you get to Leviticus and Deuteronomy and keep going. There are reasons why this is... But, Leviticus 23 is a beautiful chapter that, again, God is commanding and instituting celebration. And in this chapter, we see seven feasts that God lays out for Israel and says, follow these. And it's an example. It's insight into who God is and what he wants for his people. And and we're not going to get in detail in every one of them, although I'm hoping later this year to have either Jews for Jesus or Chosen People Ministry come in and, and hit one of some of these in a little more detail. But today I just want to give an overview. And we start at verse 6, or verse, uh, sorry, verse 4. And the first feast of the seven is the Passover, which we just talked about. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. And again, the word for feast is a party, a celebration. And these are, these are holy things. Parties can be holy. And, and celebration is holy. And he starts in, in this first section to outline the Passover. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. And that's where they celebrated God's deliverance from Israel. 
And then it goes on to verse 6 and 6 through 8. And it talks about the next day. So the day after the festival or the Passover starts the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this was a week-long feast where they would, would not eat any leaven. They would clear leaven out of their house, all yeast and everything out of their house. And for them, it was to remember that they had to leave Egypt in a hurry. They couldn't even let the bread rise. And so it was a way to remember what God had done for them in deliverance from Egypt. Somewhere in the middle of the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, in verse 15 through 21 talks, or actually 9 through 14 talks about it, um, the day after the Sabbath. And the Sabbath could fall anywhere in there, and so sometimes it was at the end of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But during this week then, they would celebrate the Feast of first fruits, starting at verse 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel, say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And so they're not even in the land yet. They're, they're still in the wilderness. God is outlying when you get in the land, these are the parties you're supposed to throw. And in this case, it's the first fruits of the barley harvest. And so they would have Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Both of those are reminding themselves of God's salvation. And they are glorifying God for salvation. And then they get to the, the first feast of fruit, first fruits here where they give some of the barley and it's to remind themselves of God's provision. So what are they celebrating? His deliverance, his, his salvation, his provision. Now this was one of the, the, this week was one of the pilgrimage feasts. We have three feasts that are pilgrimage feasts which would be expected that you would make the best effort you could to get to Jerusalem the people would come together and they would spend a week celebrating God. Isn't that cool? A week celebrating God. And the whole week they would drop everything and that would be their focus. Then we get to the Feast of Weeks in, in verse 15. Now this happened 50 days later, which, which is where we get Pentecost in the New Testament. And so this was when Pentecost was happening on this next major festival, another pilgrimage fe- festival. And in verse 15, you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread. And it goes on to to describe what offerings they would bring to the Lord. And there was burnt offerings and bread offerings. And just in the cycle of things, and and we don't all... we don't live in their culture. We don't understand it all. But 50 days later would be the end of the barley harvest and it would be the beginning of the wheat harvest. And so at the beginning of the wheat harvest, they would have another festival to praise God for his provision, to thank God for what he had supplied for them. And they'd bring some of the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And they'd bring animal offerings to show how grateful they were to God and the gratitude to God. They made this an incredible holiday. You know, we sometimes before meals, hopefully, will say a prayer of thanksgiving, a a prayer of gratitude. That's a prayer of celebration, guys. That's, That's to be a prayer that says, God has provided again. God has provided this meal. God has provided every day. And our focus is not just God is good, God is great, food's on the table, let's go. The the focus should be what has God provided? What has He done? Families with young kids, don't throw away that prayer. Don't throw away that opportunity to teach your kids about gratitude and what He's doing. Already, 
two out of the first four feasts are about gratitude for God's provision. There's something to that. God wants us to be grateful for what he does and what he gives us. And so we get through the Feast of Weeks there, that's called, or, or Pentecost, it's called later. And then the next feast that starts the fall feast. Those first four are in the spring. And the next one start the fall feast in verse 23 of the Feast of the Trumpets. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel saying, In the seventh month, so we're a few months later, some say these are the summer or fall um, feast. On the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest a memorial proclaimed with the blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. You shall present a food offering to the Lord. And this begins to recognize the end of the agriculture year and the beginning of the sacred times, the beginning of some of the the spiritual festivals honoring God, a sacred season. And again, they stopped. They took a day, a holiday. You know, whether it, we have all kinds of holidays and, and, but they took a day of a holiday to say, harvest is done. God has provided. Now let's start to get our hearts right for God and, and make sure that we are in tune with what God is doing. And so that was another feast that God ordained. One of, of not only thanking Him and remembering His provision, but remembering what He wants to do in our own hearts, that He wants us to grow closer to Him. And so then very soon after that, the day of atonement, verse 26, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now on the 10th day of the seven month, and so we're talking just nine days later, 10 days later, is the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation again. You shall afflict yourselves, this is a word for fasting, and present a food offering to the Lord. You, you shall not do any work for that day, for it is the day of atonement. And the Day of Atonement was a sacred celebration that they had. A day where the high priest would make offerings for the sins of the people, where he would go in before the Lord and make that offering. And then soon after the Day of Atonement, verse 33, the last of the seven feasts, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, on the 15th day of the seven month, ten, ten, or five days later, is the Feast of Booths to the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You don't do any work. And he goes on to describe this Feast of Booths. It's another week-long one. This is the last pilgrimage one of the major feast where they were expected, if possible, to make their way to Jerusalem. And they would take at five days after the Day of Atonement and, and, and giving an offering for sin. They would come and, and gather together. They would celebrate the ingathering of the harvest. But then for seven days... They would just live in huts made out of branches. You're like, what? And so imagine if we said, we're going to celebrate the Feast of Booths. For the next seven days, no one's allowed in your house. Okay? And so what you need to do is you need to take branches and make a hut outside of your house, and you need to live in that for seven days. You good? We're going to celebrate together? No TV. No internet. No video games, no microwave, no running water, <laughs> bathroom, showers, all that. For seven days, now why would they do this? Why would God, and this isn't their idea, this is God's instruction to his people. Well, what they were remembering was life in the wilderness. And God, again, wanted them to remember and celebrate. 
and they needed to remember that God brought them out of Egypt, but then He sustained them through the difficult time in the wilderness. And He sustained them with manna and with quail, and He sustained them with water when they needed it. And all of this was to remind them of God's sustaining power. That God is big and He is powerful and He has them in His hand. And so they remembered the desert wanderings. And we might think, you know, if I'm, for, if I'm forgetting something, that might be what I want to forget. That was a hard time for the people. But God said, remember that and celebrate. And so the Feast of Booths is a celebration. Even today, they celebrate this to different degrees. Now, you may see balconies of apartment buildings with branches on balconies, and, and they're, they're, they're out living on their balcony for a week. And it's not celebrated in the same way. But it's to remember, right? And we do better to remember when we have different clues like this, when we have different tangible illustrations. Maybe that's why I like illustrations so much. Helps us remember. And God knows that. And so we see some feasts that are celebrating God's salvation. Some that are celebrating His provision. Some that are simply saying we're dependent on God at the beginning of harvest season. Some feasts that were coming to be right with God and, and to make sure that, that we are in connection with Him, that we have asked forgiveness for our sins. And the celebration is that He does forgive sins when we come to Him. We have some feasts here that remember the difficult times and remember God's hand through the difficult times. That's just one chapter of Leviticus. Sometimes a book we skim over. But God commanded us to celebrate. Isn't that cool? He commanded us to, to remember these things. You know, they also had some periodic feasts. There would be the, the Sabbath year every seven years. You had the, the jubilee, year of Jubilee on the 50th year. We saw in Esther, Purim was added in so they could remember and celebrate. A major events that would happen, they, they would celebrate. In worship today, we talked about Nehemiah and they finally figured, finished the wall. Clearly, God's hand was part of that and God gave protection and God gave strength. And so they stopped everything and threw a party for God and celebrated God. And, and, and we'll read a little bit more about that in a minute. We, we see these things throughout Scripture. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 11 Paul talks about what Jesus instituted at the the Passover before his death. The Last Supper, right? Why why do we do the Last Supper? Why Why do we celebrate communion? Next week we'll be celebrating communion. To remember and celebrate. It's to remember the work of God and celebrate what he has done. This isn't just an Old Testament thing. This is something that continues because God Almighty is at work. His hand is at work. And the question is, do I take credit for it or do I give God credit for it? And we see examples like Nebuchadnezzar and Herod in Scripture where men tried to take credit for it, didn't do so well for them. But God wants to receive glory for what He's done because then people are drawn to Him. And so we're called to celebrate as a people of God. Not just sit and be sad that we have to follow God and there's certain things we can't do that others get to do. No, no, God gives us those instructions to live life to the full, to live a joyous life because that's how life works best. And he says, celebrate what I do. Points two and three are more just observations out of that. Point two, celebration includes praise and joyous exuberance for God. 
Celebration includes praise and joyous exuberance for God. I wrote down celebrate with gusto. I know it's not a term that's used anymore, but we should take celebration seriously and give it wholehearted celebration. That goes back to Hagagagag, where you're dancing and celebrating and feasting. That's, what God, that's how much joy God wants us to have in what He does. Oh, let's not be boring, sad Christians. Let's be Christians that have recognized what God is doing and are excited about what He's doing. Because God is at work. The, the issue isn't whether God's working, it's whether we see it or not. And, and let's not miss it. Let's celebrate Him. Let's have festivals. Let's, let's have celebrations and honor God. In 2 Samuel 6, 21, David's coming in from, from seeing God give an amazing victory in battle. And he is dancing before the Lord. He's making a little bit of a fool of himself because he's just celebrating so hard for God. And his wife, Michael, the sensible one, pulls him aside and says, Stop it. You're making a fool of yourself. You're embarrassing me. Stop it. And in 2 Samuel 6, 21, David answers her and says, And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. And and he goes on to say, I I might make a fool of myself, but this is about celebrating before God. The target of our celebration is God. The source is his work. The target is praising him. And so... Yes, celebration is praise, joyous exuberance, but don't miss the last two words of that statement, for God. And David got it. And and, and he just went nuts for God in an appropriate way. And when we are blown away by what God does, how can we not celebrate him? And so celebration includes praise and joyous exuberance for God, and it's a good thing. Point number three, celebrating was a priority. Celebrating was a priority. It took effort, resources, and time. Again, as we went through all those feasts, you had several of them that were a week long, that you were expected to drop everything and come and celebrate God for a week. That takes time. If you look at all the offerings of what you were to bring, it took resources. It took effort. In fact, they would sort of, their, their calendars revolved around these feasts. Even today, as we, we take groups to Israel, sometimes we've hit on some of these feasts or some, some of these moments, and we have a day where like half the things we were going to do are closed. Because they still take these feasts seriously. Now, they may not understand the, the full remembering of it, but hey, they're, they're in for a good party, I guess. But God says, remember and celebrate. And as we saw in the Leviticus passage, this was to take an intentional effort. It was supposed to be inconvenient sometimes. And now now we we don't want to celebrate or we don't want to have things to celebrate if they're inconvenient. Well, I don't know. Let's look at our schedule. Let's see when it's free. And I don't know. That's that's just too much. I don't want to take time to do that. It's celebrating the God of the universe, village. Are there other things we'd rather do? And so we celebrate. And at times we come together as a church and we celebrate with communion. That's part of the focus of our business meeting is to celebrate and see what God is doing. In Nehemiah 12, the passage that Joshua read in worship, 
Did you catch some of the work that went into celebrating? This is just after completing a wall. This isn't even one of the holy feasts. In Nehemiah 12, 27, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness. So the first thing they did is they went through all the land and got all the Levites, all the people, the, the priests together and said, you've got to come. We've got to get together. We're going to celebrate what God has done with gladness, with thanksgiving, with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. They're saying, let's get the instruments out. Let's get the voices together. Man, this is, this is worth celebrating because God has done a work. And the sons of the sinners gathered together, singers, sorry, and the sons of the singers, well, we're all sinners. The sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages and, and the Netaphathites, also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. So they're thro- throwing a party for God. They're celebrating God. And they get all the priests to come and say, we've got to get together. They assign singers. They, they get musicians. They do a lot of work to throw a party just for God. That's what we do in worship. That's what we do every Sunday morning as we worship. It's to bring glory to God. It's to praise Him for what He's done. It's just a little part of celebrating who God is. In verse 30 of that passage, the priests and Levites purified themselves. They purified the people. They prepared themselves to celebrate. That's pretty cool. That's how seriously they took it. Do we take celebration that seriously? It is vital that we celebrate our Lord. That we celebrate what He's done. On the, on the back page of your notes, I just had four things of why we celebrate. And just hit these quickly, just to sort of bring our, our thoughts together on this. So why would God do this? Why would God command this throughout Scripture? And the first is, is the one that I've been mentioning all morning. It's to bring glory to God. It's to bring glory to God. And this ties in with our, our, our core value of outreach. As they would come together and celebrate Him, they were making God's name great. That is a powerful testimony to others around us. If they see us celebrating what God has done, then they get to see what God has done. And that becomes a way to share, the, share Jesus with others and share the gospel with others. Man, Easter, we should celebrate. Christmas, we should celebrate. As we see God work, these should be times of joy. Augustine said, the Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot. I like that. The Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot, an instrument of praise to Yahweh from head to foot. In Matthew 5.16, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, to bring glory to God, we have to notice what He's doing. We can't, we can't miss it. We've got to be more intentional to say, Look what God did there. Look at the doors God opened. And we see what God is doing. We want to celebrate how God works in ministry this year. We want to celebrate. And and again, this is the final. We're not just going to celebrate ministries that, oh, we have this ministry, praise God. We have this ministry. We want to celebrate what God is doing through the ministries. And so how He works. 
And so when we, when we come to something like a VBS or something, it's not just celebrating that we got through VBS and we survived and only two leaders were tied up and duct taped in the corner and, and everyone's good. No, we are going to celebrate how many kids came and heard the gospel. We're going to celebrate when kids turn their lives over to Christ. When we do baptisms like we did a, a couple of weeks ago, we're celebrating new life in Christ. That is an act of celebrating and remembering. We want to make sure that we give, give God His due this year. And so throughout services, throughout the year, we'll be taking some time and highlighting how we see God working in ministries. How we see God working through people at Village. One of the other things that we want to do this year is have an opportunity to give more testimonies of what God has done in lives. And we'll be doing those on video and you'll be seeing an opportunity for that. Don't get scared. But, but we'd really love some help with this to where we can get on video. Okay, what is, how is God working in your life? What has he taught you? How has he sustained you? How has he provided for you? Again, focus is on God, source from God, destination God. And that's the focus we want to do. So it's not just, oh, I, I had a really good day. Celebrate good times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's an old song too. I don't remember who. Um. <laughs> No, we're celebrating who God is and what he's done. When the prodigal son came home, the older son was pretty ticked that dad was celebrating, right? He's pretty bitter about that. And at the end of that, that parable, which is about two prodigal sons, not just one, at the end of that parable, the dad says, it was fitting to celebrate. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. It is fitting to celebrate and celebrate what God does. Why celebrate? To bring glory to God. That's the first and foremost. It has to be the top of our list. Second reason to celebrate is celebration has a way of combating pride and breeding humble gratitude. It combats pride and breeds humble gratitude. When we celebrate, we're giving thanks to God. It's an act of thanksgiving. And we're celebrating God's grace and His provision instead of thinking we don't need it. This is one of the keys to combating pride. Because again, we're not celebrating what I've done. We're not celebrating what we've done as a church. We're celebrating what God has done. And it puts things in their proper place. Third reason to celebrate, it encourages our faith by bringing life and joy to our walk with God. It encourages our faith by bringing life and joy to our walk with God. It shows the life and joy Jesus intends his followers to have. It combats the drudgery that sometimes comes with our view of Christianity, the legalism that can come with Christianity. It combats that and say, no, there's joy, there's life. This isn't drudgery. Richard Foster, as he writes about spiritual disciplines, his last discipline he talks about is the discipline of celebration. And, and he says to him, and I've been thinking this through this week, to him celebration is one of the culminating disciplines because it flows out of all other disciplines. As we obey God, as we love God and love others, then we see a joy of God working and we can celebrate it. And so he says the disciplines aren't to be legalistic, like I have to do this again. But as we obey God, we see him work and we celebrate and that motivates us to keep doing that. You know, I, I think of, of 
celebrating reminds us that God is at work, reminds us that we're on the winning side. It is hard as a sports team to keep playing if you never win a game. Celebrating reminds us we're winning. Maybe not here on earth. I mean, God is definitely making inroads and bringing people to him, but it's still a fallen planet. But in the end, God wins, and we're celebrating looking forward to that. The last reason is celebration reminds us of God's faithfulness, even in difficult times. Reminds us of God's faithfulness, even in difficult times. We saw this with the Feast of Booths. We we see this throughout Scripture. We're forgetful people, and we forget God's faithfulness when we need to remember it most. And celebrations keep rehearsing who God is and what He's done so that we we can have an anchor and a, a, a foundation through those difficult times. In Psalm 42, the psalmist says this about remembering and celebrating. And this is a psalm where his heart is just broken before God. It is a challenging time. And Psalm 42, 4 says, These things I remember. There's that word remember. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and a multitude keeping festival. There's that word again. And he says, this is what I remember when my soul is downcast, when my soul is at the end. I remember feasting together. I remember celebrating together and remembering who God is. You know, it's a reminder, do we gripe or do we celebrate? Every one of us is going to go through difficult times or are perhaps going through difficult times. But God hasn't changed. God is still faithful. And as we rehearse his faithfulness in God's word throughout history, as we rehearse his faithfulness in the life of our church, in our lives, it reminds us that God is still faithful. All is not lost. We trust him and we seek him. There's more reasons to celebrate. Those are just some of the ones that come out of some of the passages we've talked about and just our our heart for the church as leaders. Let's enjoy God this year. One of the things, and, and, and I, I tag this on to God's faithfulness in difficult times. One of the things we talked about as a board is that this Vision Sunday might be a good Sunday to give an update on our family and what's going on in our family. I know some of you see that on Facebook. Some of you don't. And I intentionally haven't made it a part of every sermon for the last six months. Um, but we're family. And so it's good to hear. And, and for me, this is, a, this is about reminding us of God's faithfulness, even in difficult times. As most of you know, about six months ago, Susie and I we, and our family, we started a journey to fight cancer in Susie's body. And, and I say we on purpose, not just our, our, our nuclear family, but I say we because we as a church are fighting this. And, and I have been so blown away and amazed at this church in the last six months and how you have come alongside and how you have prayed and how you have helped not just us, but so many different situations in our church. It's like God just used this to open up our eyes to that there's needs in the church and we love on each other and we pour into each other. And so I guess I start by saying thank you for being an amazing church. Thank you for being a church that says you'll pray and then I know you actually do. And, and a church that has encouraged. The, the meals have been amazing. There, there's just something about 
going to the hospital all day and trying to get kids from different schools and you get home and sometimes like, oh yeah, they have to eat. (laughs) There's that. And then a meal shows up. Never underestimate the meals ministry here. Be part of it because that is such a blessing to families. You all have, have given rides to my kids. The notes of encouragement to Susie have been spirit-led. I can't count how many times a note or a card has come in on a day of a procedure or a day that was just a hard day because sometimes there's hard days in this journey and you have been faithful to God. Thank you for that. And thank you for being marvelous at ministering to us and to each other through this time. I think of of our pastoral leadership, Pastor Andrew, Pastor AJ, and the elders, and they, as they've had to pick up some of the slack from my schedule and, and my care for Susie, have just been marvelous at caring for you as a church body. And one of the ways that we came together that we were able to do that is we were able to to give AJ, Pastor AJ, 10 more hours a week, bring him up to full time to help fill that gap. And that's because of your faithfulness. So many things have been about you showing that you're a family. Thank you for that. Never expected to be here saying for the last six months we've experienced this, but we celebrate what God has done through you. And as you know, in that six months, we went through three months of, of heavy chemo that was really hard on Sue's and you didn't see her for a while. Um, we went through several procedures and now we're working at... The, the, the cancer is, is basically under control with the chemo, but it's not gone. And we're looking at different options for how to kick it out of her body. And I wish I could just kick it out. But right now we're going through some procedures to see if we can remove some of the tumors and they can't surgically, but with some other means from her liver... And, and and through all this, through this journey, we don't know what the future holds. The, there's no guarantee that God will heal. There's no guarantee that God will bless you with that parking spot up front. There's no guarantee that God will give you all of your dreams. The guarantee is that God is faithful and with us through every moment and that he is using all things for his glory. And we hold firm to that through this. Yeah, we don't know what the future holds. And I know we want to. And we want to say, well, it is God's will will for her to be healed. I'm not God. Praise God. You'd be in a mess if I was God. (laughs) But we know that God's plan is always best. And we know that He is working guaranteed. He promises to be with us. He promises to strengthen us, to embolden us. He promises to be faithful. He promises ultimate healing in glory. Those are the promises. And throughout all this, we've seen God work. We've drawn close as a family. As a family, we're doing pretty well right now, actually. Our spirits are high as we trust God as we see him working, even, even in these last couple procedures in the last couple of weeks, we're, we're in the um, pre-op area and nurses are helping us and, and we see someone, a nurse that we recognize and she comes over and she's a, um, a young lady that went on a Yugo missions trip with me 25 years ago. And we're just sitting there talking about Jesus in front of all the other nurses. It's amazing. 
You never know how God is going to use your circumstances to show who he is to others. And and, uh, a a doctor came in just to pray with us. It happens to be a a friend of Pablo and Jasmine here and saw some of the things. Just amazing. And so he's coming in in front of other people. We're praying together and we're praising God together. Is our pre- or are our present difficulties worth presenting God's glory to others? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, but it's worth it. Susie, yesterday, as she was, I was talking through a little bit of our theme for the year and my message today, she got all excited. She's like, I got to share with you Psalm 89, what I studied this morning in my quiet time. And I'm like, okay. And she pulls it out. She goes, you got to share this when you share an update for me. Um, and, and I'm like, okay, at that point, she gets what she wants. This is, <laughs> this is great. Psalm 89, let me just read a couple of the verses. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Verse 5, let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? And then 15 through 17 is what she said. You really got to share these. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout. Basically, blessed are the people who celebrate. In this psalm of, of trying to figure out making sense of this life and what God is doing, blessed are the people who celebrate, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exalt in your name all the day and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are their glory and their strength. By your favor, our horn is exalted. And she said, what that means is even through this, I am going to look to the light of God's face. And I am going to continue the festal shout. And I am going to make sure that people don't see Christianity as this woe is me, life is over thing, but that they see me rejoicing in God and giving praise to God. That's where we're at right now. No guarantees but trusting that God knows what he's doing and he's working it out for his glory. I challenge you, praise God no matter what. Find reason to celebrate no matter what. Our demeanor as believers, it reflects where our hope is. If we are discouraged and struggling and and woe is me Christians, our hope is not in the Lord. When our hope is in the Lord, we can trust him. We can rest in him. Our demeanor reflects and reveals where our hope is. And as we look at our theme of celebrate this year, I was asking myself and one of the elders asked me, can you still do this theme this year? Can you, with all that you guys are going through, can you still do it with the uncertainty of where that might go? Because we're, we're, we're just in the middle. We're probably halfway through of a very long journey. And as I thought about it, as I prayed about it, yeah, we can still do this theme. In fact, I think we need to. I think we need to celebrate who God is. We need to rehearse God's faithfulness all the more. Yeah, we never expected it, but we're in the middle of it. And we're confident that since God has allowed this trial in our lives, he has plans to use it for his glory. And I pray that that confidence is the confidence of our church. Because I know that we are experiencing this as a family as a church family. But God is good. 
and he is faithful. And we give him glory. Let's pray. Lord God, we celebrate you this year. We celebrate that in the midst of this fallen, broken world, you are still at work and you are still sustaining and you are still bringing people to you and you are building your kingdom. And ultimately, ultimately, we will be in glory with you, praising you in a perfect way. Lord, I pray that this year as a church, we would rehearse your faithfulness in ways that we have never dreamt of doing it before, that it'll infiltrate all of our ministries, that it'll infiltrate what we do and just become part of who we are, that disciples celebrate because we give you the glory. And Lord, as we seek you, as we love you, as we love others, as we seek you in prayer, Lord, may we see you work and then celebrate that work. Thank you, God, for being a God we can trust, we can love, that we can hope in, a God who is always there. Help us to remember and celebrate in 2020 and beyond. In your name, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Today for our education hour is a prayer Sunday, and we do this once a trimester, and and prayer is one of those things that is intricately related with celebrating. And you may say, what? As we pray, as we give requests to God, we see him answer and we have something to celebrate. And so this is so essential for us as a church. And we'll have four prayer rooms. Junior high on up, we'll all be together. And we ask that you mix up so junior highers don't just all go to your room. Actually, your room's not even available today. Um, High schoolers, let's spread out. And we'll have four rooms. One will be the prayer room right up here to my right. And then the two downstairs rooms in the gymnasium. And then the large upstairs room in the gymnasium. There will be elders and pastors that will lead the time in each of those. Stay and pray. Stay and and lift up our request to God. And we want to spend some time praising God today. And then next week, we'll start our new classes. There's a, a flyer in your worship folder with what those are. But today, please stay with us and pray as a family and celebrate what God is doing. God bless.